Welcome to Financial Practice Made Perfect, presented by Independent Financial Brokers of Canada. I'm Nancy Allen, and I'm Executive Director of IFB. My guest today is David Roberts, Regional Sales Lead for Group Medical Services in Alberta and Northwest Territories. David, thanks for joining us today. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in the Canadian benefits industry? Sure. Well, first off, thank, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, I, uh, I started... Um in the benefits industry. Well, actually, I started off with a company called North American Life, and that was back in 1988, the spring of 1988. So coming up on um, 30 years of being in the, the industry. And when I first started, um, I was on the life and disability side as well. North American Life had um, a benefit side, and that's the area that I tended to uh, gravitate towards. It's what I, I liked. And uh, I stayed with them until Manulife uh, took over North American Life in 1991. And at that point, uh, I went to go work with a company called LaBelle & Morel uh, Benefit Services, and they're based out of uh, Sudbury, Ontario. Um, they had a, 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 some very, very good um, um, strategies and ideas on how to do things. They worked in something called third-party administration, and uh, and uh, one of the, the brothers of uh, well, Ray Morel's brother uh, uh, owned a company called RX Plus, and that was the first uh, pay-direct drug card system in Canada. So, started to get into some some interesting things, you know, way back in the the early 90s when, on the benefit side. So. Did that for uh, four years, working with uh, those guys, and then started a company called uh, Benefit Management in 1995. And that was uh, my own third-party administration company. Um, started just with myself, and then uh, up to five employees, and then ten. And finally, um, by about 2001, we were up to about 30 employees. And that's when I sold uh, Benefit Management and went on to uh, start a, a online benefit administration company. And then from there, uh, a company called uh, Group Medical Services uh, approached me in 2003 to see if I would work with them to uh, to build a advisor network um, in Western Canada. So that's really kind of been my near 30 years in the in the business to date. Good. So you've been at it for a while. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why should a group have a benefits plan? What are the advantages to having a, a benefits plan? Okay. Um, well, basically, you've got you know two two sectors uh, when it comes to um, healthcare. Uh, typically, the you've got the public sector, and that's the things that we take for granted. And you know, going to your doctor, or you know, having a, depending on the province you're in, having a, a lot of services taken care of for you. But there's also kind of a, a secondary sector, the private sector, which the insurance companies tend to uh, dominate, and that's really covering the gaps in coverage in healthcare. So our provinces do a lot for us, but they, they don't do everything. There's lots of little gaps in vision and dentistry and chiropractic visits and, and the list goes on. And so where the government ends is where the private sector and benefit plans come into play. And so you know, they, they've been around for, you know, since about the 60s, so quite a, quite a while. But when you take a look at why have a benefits plan, the key advantage is the taxability of it. Um, so if I'm an employer and I gave you $1,000 in salary, well, that would be taxable. But if I give you $1,000 in benefits towards your health and dental, it's all non-taxable. No matter how much you actually claim, you could claim a lot more than $1,000 um, and you don't have to claim it. So it's one of those very few things that you can take out of a company that isn't on a, a taxable basis. So most of us have been over the years 
as uh, advisors and, and also as employers um, gone down the path of, well, I want to attract and ret- retain quality employees, and I want to compete with the rest of my industry to, to get quality employees. So that's kind of the, the main thing that we've been told, and, and it is true, but um, in my opinion, one of the key advantages is just sim- simply the taxability of benefit programs. Hmm. So when an insurance company is looking at a group program, how do they determine the rates for a group? Okay, so um, you have to take a look at two sides of the ledger, if you will, when it comes to benefits. You have to think of um, what is cash flow type of claims. And and what I mean by that is um, things that you expect to happen on a routine basis. So people going to the dentist, um, if someone, for instance, is on a long-term therapeutic drug, like, gee, I've had a heart condition in the last 10 years, what's going to change next month? Nothing. So the insurance company tends to follow what are your routine standard claims. And, And as a company, they take a look at, you know, you as a as a unit, and um, they'll go, okay, this is what we expect in claims for you know the coming up year. They'll add inflation onto that, and then their expenses. Um, when we take a look at the other side of the ledger, the the, the risk benefit. So that would be like life insurance or disability. Um, if someone was to die in in a, in a small company, and you know, let's say the claim was a hundred thousand dollars, you would not have the insurance company come at renewal time and say, hey, we had someone die here. We had to pay out a big claim. How are we going to make up for that in the rates? It, it, it just wouldn't happen because that's true risk versus cash flow. So true risk claims versus cash flow claims. So at the end of the day, the more you claim on that cash flow side, the more the insurance company will need to charge. So at the end of the day, they take a look at your claims. They add on expenses and uh, inflation. And from there, that's how they set your rates. Hmm. So what can a group do to to manage those benefit costs? Are there things that they can responsibly do to to control those? Yes, and so here's where we get into how the industry has operated for many, many years. Um, They realize that if you're going to move, you know, a company of 50 or 100 employees, there's a fair amount of work to it. Um, You know, you have to get all the employees to sign up the new enrollment forms. You've got to set the new plan design. Uh, You have to communicate to the employees uh, what changes are taking place. Um, it's, It's a fairly significant undertaking to move from, you know, carrier ABC to carrier XYZ. It's not a, a little a little task. And it's, it's quite a, um, uh, how should I say, visible uh, change in a company. Employees tend to pay attention to, you know, their compensation and, and the benefits they get. And so whenever you make a change, they're always going to wonder, well, why did you make the change and what's different? So anyway, it's a significant undertaking to uh, to move from one carrier to the other. And so in order to get you to move, quite often the insurance company will try to incent you to move by saving you, let's say, 10% as an example. And so that can add up to a fair amount of money. If, if you had a, you know, a, a plan that, let's say, cost a, a million dollars a year for your, your benefits plan because you have, a, I don't know, 75, 100 employees, uh, 10% is a fairly significant number, $100,000. So it incents you to move. The only thing is, the only problem is 
come renewal time, um, they're going to come back to you at the renewal table and say, look, here's the claims we incurred last year. You had a really popular plan. It was really good. Um, however, we have to pay for your claims, and we have to set inflation for the coming year, and we need our expenses to be covered. And so starting in the first renewal, the rates tend to go up quite a bit. And so if I use that example of a, of a million dollars, if if really you should have been paying a million dollars, but you only had to pay $900,000, um, you've underfunded the plan for the coming year. And so come the first renewal, they're going to say, okay, well, gee, we're going to have 10% inflation, so your claims are at a, actually a million dollars now. We have to actually charge you, you know, 1.1 million for the claims plus inflation and then our expenses. So basically you go from, gee, we paid $900,000 this year, but next year it's going to be 1.2 million. So by chasing the lower rate, you actually put yourself into a, a difficult position come the first or first and second renewals. So it's just, it's one of those things that do you want to take artificial discounted savings? Because the insurance company is viewing it as, okay, we're going to invest in, and discount the rates to get you to move. But at the end of the year, you're going to have to pay the piper, unfortunately, because you have to cover your claims plus expenses plus future inflation. So it's one of those things where do you want to get on that that treadmill, that uh, vicious uh, circle of constantly chasing rates? So the, the real solution is actually managing those claims in the first place. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when it comes to advisors within the benefits industry, why is it critical for them to understand the dynamics of the decision-making process within each group? Okay, so when you're dealing with a small company, let's say under 10 employees, um, typically you have the owner, the person who started the business, and uh, they're a bit of a kind of a chief cook and bottle washer. They're involved in pretty well everything. And so it's not very difficult to determine who the decision maker is. As you get into a larger company, let's say you're in the 20 to 30 range, Quite often, the business owner will have, you know, brought someone in that's uh, maybe a, a financial um, controller or financial decision maker, um, and so quite often the decision making will switch over there. Um, as the companies get bigger and bigger and bigger, let's say you're at a hundred or more, um, you'll quite often have a, an HR department, and so benefits and compensation tend to float over there. So. There's different types of decision makers within different sized organizations. So that's kind of an important thing to understand. Um, who, who am I talking with and do they truly have the ability to make the decision uh, to move from company A to company B or to simply change advisors and say, you know what, uh, I think that you've got better strategies than the person I've been dealing with and I want you to help manage my plan. So it's important simply to understand who you're talking to. And I've, I've seen it over the years many, many times where, you know, people um, spend a lot of time and effort uh, digging up a lot of information and trying to get quotes, and, and they're really not even talking to the correct person. So the dynamics of the decision-making is important to, to understand who truly has the ability to make a decision. 
So, David, you mentioned about um, when we were talking about managing benefit costs that there's false economy in switching to another program just because they offer you an initial um, lower rate just to get you in the door and then you'll pay for it in the in the long run. But what other things are there that can be done to manage claims um, and eliminate any waste just to bring in some efficiency so that there is a real savings for the for the plan? Great question. That is that is benefits in a in a in a nutshell. That where you really need to focus in on your time and efforts, because unfortunately um, there's two elements to to the industry, at least how it's evolved to this point. And you know the industry knows that um, that people will gravitate to a lower rate. That's uh, that's kind of common sense. The lower rates uh, mean savings. So uh, and, and and there's a lot of advisors out there that uh, that understand that as well. Where what they'll do is they'll go to, let's say, a half dozen insurance companies and they'll get them all to quote on the same or as close to the same uh, benefit plan designs as they can. Um, and, and I say close to as possible because every insurance company has its own slight differences in how they set up their plans. So having said that, let's just assume that the plans are truly apples to apples, same uh, benefits. What the advisor in most cases will do is put a spreadsheet together and, okay, gee, the lowest price one is the one I'm going to recommend. And, and that touches in on price, and price is important. I'm not going to say it's not, but there's other elements, product price, service relationship, um, systems, um, um, you know, web capabilities, and so forth. There's just so many things that are important to um, making a decision on who you want to work with. And, and so that's kind of uh, part of it. And if you're going to look at, you know, savings, don't take an artificial one-time set of savings where the insurance company is discounting by 10%. Try to kind of dig down deep into the program and take a look at uh, ways that you can eliminate waste and improve the services you know, to the employees. And so there's different things that can be done. Um, something such as uh, coordination of benefits that's been around for many, many years. But at the end of the day, um, coordination of benefits means that if you have, let's say, a husband and wife and they've got two different plans and you've got kids, you know, who is the first payer? And so uh, you want to make sure that you're, you're, you know, implementing coordination of benefits in your benefit plan, because if you don't, you're going to be perhaps receiving claims to your plan that should actually go somewhere else. So that's another one. There's something called uh, dispensing fees, uh, dispensing fee controls. So a dispensing fee is if you go to get a prescription filled, um, the pharmacist will charge you a dispensing fee, and it's it's built into the cost of your prescription. So if you had a $50 prescription and your dispensing fee was $10, that would be built into your prescription. And it varies depending on where you go to get your drugs dispensed. Um, some large chain stores tend to be a little more expensive than, than others, and so that's an important element to consider. Um, there's also, when you get your drugs dispensed, you want to get them dispensed over a longer period of time if you have a long-term therapeutic drug. So um, you might recall I mentioned that uh, heart condition. If you had a, um, a heart condition for the last 10 years, what's going to change next month? Nothing. So instead of going into you know, Shoppers Drug Mart, as an example, um, once a month for three months and incurring three dispensing fees, it would make sense to incur one dispensing fee and get the drugs dispensed over a three-month period. And so anyway, that's uh, something that can be done. And uh, um, 
there are electronic adjudication companies um, similar to how a bank uses a Visa or a MasterCard. The insurance companies have um, drug card uh, companies that uh, are, handle the electronic adjudication. And so, um, you know, one of the largest ones, in fact, the largest one in Canada is called Express Scripts. There's others out there. Don't be wrong. They're all good. But what they'll do is uh, they can even do home delivery um, of drugs for a three-month period. And so instead of paying that $10 a month for three months, they could send uh, uh, your prescription for a full three months for $9, as an example. So it just, it's one of those things where the more you can, you know, find ways to save money, but still provide the same service, in fact, a better service by having home delivery uh, prescriptions sent right to your home uh, versus you having to, to go out, especially if it's cold or, you know, um, it's difficult to get out. So that's just an example. There's many others, uh, step plans, uh, something called a drug utilization review, um, the, the list goes on. And so those are the things that you want to look for. You want to look for true savings, true ways to manage your program in order to get those costs down, not simply accept you know, an artificial discount that will go away in a year. That's all the time we have for today. My thanks to David Roberts, Regional Sales Leader for GMS, for sharing his insights with our listeners. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Financial Practice Made Perfect. Past episodes of this show are available on our website at www.ifbc.ca or you can subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. I'm Nancy Allen. Thanks for listening.